1: Hey, guys, right now on the line, we have the one, the only, Lita Ford. Lita, this is
2: Sean, and we got Mark Striegel here, too. How you doing? What's up, guys? What's going on? Lita, thanks so much for calling in. We're psyched to be talking to you. We understand you're working on some new music. We wanted to ask you how it's sounding.
3: Well, <laughs> uh, actually, I'm, I'm with Gary Holly. We're working on it right now, and uh, I had to tell him to to be quiet so I could do this interview.
1: Well, thanks for taking the time out while you're in the studio. Gary's such an amazing guitar player. Wow. Very, very cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on. He's throwing his fists in the air. Say hi, Gary. Hey, thanks so much, brother. How are you?
1: Hey, Gary. Great to talk to you, man. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I can't wait to hear the music that you're doing with Lita.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you, you you will not be disappointed that the new material that Lita's coming out with and... What we've been working on together is is awesome. I think you're going to be blown away. I can't wait for you to hear it.
1: Very cool. Thanks, Jerry.
3: All right, bro. Take care. I hope to see you soon.
2: Cool. Absolutely.
3: All right. And you guys get a two for one. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there, there we <laughs> go. <laughs> very,
2: very cool. <laughs> so, Lita, I wanted to ask you, is this going to differ, like, stylistically a lot or a little from Wicked Wonderland? What can we expect?
3: Yeah. Uh, the- Well, it's nothing like Wicked Wonderland. Uh, Wicked Wonderland was a conglaboration, conglaboration (laughs) of different lyrics and uh, melodies and harmonies that came up. uh, My husband came up with my ex-husband Jim Gillette and um, 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 Greg Hampton, and uh, they pretty much put together Wicked Wonderland. And um, they wrote, they did most of the writing, and they did most of the. The guitar playing and um it just wasn't a real it wasn't a real leader record. Right. And mm. um so now we're making a real leader record. <laughs> Excellent well news. fans are gonna
1: be you know, really happy to hear because Wicked Wonderland was great, but I think that the fans were really, you know, waiting for another true Lita Ford album. And that's what this is gonna be.
3: Yeah, yeah. I I, I got a lot of a lot of uh People complaining about that. I was like, sorry, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't do it again.
1: No, it's cool. Hey, Lita, I <laughs> wanted to, to mention it was great uh, running into you down in Florida at that monster convention. You were with my right, buddy Chris Kiska, and I was blast. with Ace Freely. so that was a great time.
3: That was a blast. That was a blast. I love monsters.
1: <laughs> Who's your favorite? I
3: got some, Um, let's see. Well, there was a lot there that that convention. From the convention, I think my favorite was probably uh, oh God. What's his name? Jason.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jason. Right. Yeah, I, I had a chance to run Jason, into him. Yeah. I didn't meet uh, Robert Englund though. I Freddy Krueger. He was there too, right?
3: Yeah, Freddy Krueger, and um, he's definitely one of my favorites. He gave uh, he gave my son a little gold. Um, claw. Wow. You know, oh, cool. like the claw that he has.
4: Yeah, yeah. and then you
3: wear it around your neck. It's amazing. Very and, uh, cool. He signed some 8 by 10s for my kids, and um, he wrote some real wacky stuff on there. I can't remember <laughs> exactly what it was, but it, it was really creepy. It was like, wow, that's cool. I mean, very different than rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Very was...
2: different. But very cool, though. Now, Lita, back yeah. when I was a teenager, the, the first... Album by you that really exposed me to what you were all about was called Out for Blood. Uh, do you have any memories about doing that record? I know you know you left the Runaways, I believe, in '79, and it was you know '83 that Out Out for Blood came out. Uh, what were you going through at that time? Did you have a lot to prove? What memories do you have of the Out for Blood record? Um, boy,
3: Out for Blood was in the very beginning of my solo career um I, I i wanted to prove myself as a guitar player because there wasn't so many good female guitar uh girl guitar players out at the time and i just wanted to be like a female hendrix you know i right, was cool. so into guitar playing and uh to me it was something that just kind of came natural and uh not a lot of girls did it at the time and I really didn't even pay attention to that. I didn't know why there were there weren't girls doing it and I didn't really put two and two together. Like people would come over with their friends and they'd sit around and they'd say, "We to play us that riff." Um and I'd play some Black Sabbath riff or something and um and everybody was so amazed and I would just look at them like, "What's the big deal? Can not everybody do this? I don't understand." You know, aren't, aren't all the girls in the neighborhood doing this? I don't right. understand what's, what's the big deal. So <laughs> anyway, Out for Blood was sort of my way of, um, of putting across my guitar playing. And um, I remember the Out for Blood video. I've got this great big bruise on my arm from playing racquetball. I got nailed in the arm from playing racquetball and those of you who play serious racquetball know what kind of a bruise that it could leave when that ball hits you. So I remember the video. I haven't seen it in a while, but I just remember the bruise.
2: And what went on, the Runaways, kind of broke up in 79. That album came out in 83. What was going on between 1979 and 1983 for you? Do you remember those years?
3: Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> those years were uh, just trying to be a solo artist, and um, let's see, I was probably 20, I was 20, I was 17 when The Runaways' first album came out in 1975, and we broke up in 1980. 80, okay. Um, so those were the years where I was learning how to sing. mm I wasn't really a singer in the Runaways. I was more of a background singer. And during those years, I, I got a warehouse. I put a bunch of Mar, a Marshall stack, a Marshall stack in there, not a, not a bunch. But I brought my guitars down, and I taught myself how to sing and play at the same time which was really, it's not that easy. I mean, everybody you know, sings a couple of back line, backup vocals, uh, background vocals, and they think it's easy, but it's really a whole different animal. And I didn't know how to do it. I, I had to teach myself. So that's what I did during those few years of my life was teaching myself how to sing and play at the same time. And I got inspired by Johnny Winter, um, uh, Jimi Hendrix, again, because he was a guitar player and a singer at the same time. You know, it's like two jobs in one.
1: Yeah, and the coordination, it's tough to—I mean, I just—like, Mark and I are both musicians, so we we understand. And just for all you listeners, it's actually tough to be playing a guitar part in one rhythm and then sing— in a completely different rhythm and a different melody and stuff like that. So that's very cool, Lita. Now, Lita, you're you're going to be going on tour soon and doing some dates with Whitesnake, I believe, because I know that you're coming into the New York area.
3: Yeah, um, I honestly don't know. What, Andrew, are you on the phone? I am. Can you tell us about the Whitesnake dates? I, I'm not quite sure that those are... If we're on that bill, uh, are uh, we on those?
2: We're no longer on that bill. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. For okay. Cleaning it Thanks, out. Andrew. There
3: was some there was some problem with the venue or something, and I don't remember exactly what it was. But uh,
2: okay. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll I get you, you into point. the New York, New Jersey area sometime soon because we'd love to see you.
3: Yeah, uh,
1: get me there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll bring you up here without a doubt. So so tell us more about the. The stuff you're doing with Gary, because I'm I'm really excited to hear it. It sounds great. Who else is playing with you? Is it at this point just you two guys working on stuff, or what? What's going on?
3: Right now it's Gary and I, and uh, we've got some musicians on hold um, that are ready to uh, play bass and drums. Um, we've just used mechanical drums for now, and then we're going to replace the drums with a live drummer. Um, we used uptown horn section on one of oh, the songs, cool. um, which is really cool. Yeah, the guys, it's wild because we were in, uh, in the New Hampshire area, and there's not a whole lot of musicians that I know personally in this area. Right. So I said to Gary, we need horns. We need horns on this song. And uh, I said, Gary, who do you know that has horns? <laughs> they can play horns, sorry. And um, he's sitting there, he's thinking, you know, the other night I saw the Uptown Horns play. And I said, just get them, get their number. What's their number? And he says, I don't know. I, he said, I had the card. I gave it to my wife. And I said, ask her for the number. Get Get the number. So <laughs> we pulled out the number, and they just so happened to have been about seven, literally seven miles away from Gary's house. They were playing a gig during the day, and they did their gig, and they came over and they played on one of our tracks.
1: You can't get any better with a horn section than those guys, because I've seen Arno play a few times, and those guys are just insane.
3: Right. They are. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. It was like God really put them there for us. Because when we called, we expected them to be on the other side of the world. Right. And they were right up the street.
4: That's nuts. How
3: freaky is that?
2: Uh, it's cool. Now, so, you talking about horn sections, it's funny, I was at your website earlier today, and I, I, I was very touched. You had a, a, a message up there about Clarence Clemens, and uh, you said he helped me through some tough times and some amazingly awesome times. Uh, how did you know Clarence?
3: Um, I met Clarence when I did the Dick Clark show. He was on the Dick Clark show. Mm. And during that time, he Uh, was putting together a band to play in the Howie Mandel show. Um, Do you remember, it was 1992, I believe, or 93. Howie Mandel had his his own TV show. And in the show was a band. Clarence was the head of the band. Ah, okay. And he asked me if I would be the guitar player in the band. And uh, it was great. It was so much fun. So that's how Clarence and I met. And uh, when the Uptown Horns came, it was really, um, I was thinking to myself, you know, we we need to get Clarence to play on this song. And I'm not going to tell you what song it is. You'll know it when you hear it. Cool. you going to freak out. But, um, and that's when he died.
4: Jeez. Uh, okay. It was the
3: most bizarre thing Because we needed horns. Clarence died. We called the Uptown Horns. I mean, it all happened all like in the same day. It was the freakiest thing.
4: Hmm.
3: It was just wrong.
2: Wow. uh, Yeah, really wild. I mean, Clarence. He played with so many people. I was right. I was reading his uh, his Wikipedia page, and I I never knew he played with Twisted Sister and wow. Great White, even you know. So cool. I mean, just I just mean everybody thinks guy. of him with Springsteen, Springsteen, but he's just he just did so much more, uh, and uh, will be greatly missed, definitely. Oh
3: yeah, definitely. So, Lydia, definitely, but
1: uh No, I was going to say I that. also saw on your site that you did something with the Baldwins for breast cancer. Tell us about that
3: yeah we just did a um, a benefit for um, Carol Baldwin. Um, they do it every year, um, a breast cancer benefit show. and uh, of course, all the proceeds go towards breast cancer. and um, they're just wonderful people and I, it was a pleasure for me to have been a part of that. But what was really cool about it they there's this uh, Aqua Marine Center. And um, it's in Long Island. And uh, they rented for the show. So after everybody left, the public left, they closed it out and they had their event at this aquamarine center. So the whole place was transferred from kids and families to fine dining in the aquamarine center. The whole place was dark, and the only thing that was lit up was like the killer whale tank and uh, the, whatchamacallit, stingrays, you know, everything was lit up. They had a wall of macaw birds, and there was little penguins walking around with little pink bow ties, and they were pecking at my guitar because they'd never seen a guitar before. So they were like, "Hmm, what's this?" And they'd come over and they'd start pecking at my guitar. <laughs> wow!
4: Very it cool. was
3: really a lot of fun. And I got to meet Billy and Stephen Baldwin, and um, they're just great people. And Carol was wonderful, sweet, sweet, sweet lady. Um, just couldn't ask for better. They they treated me real good, so it was a lot of fun. It know- was my pleasure.
1: And it's great, you know. It's a great thing. Uh, It's so cool that you're giving some of your time to such a great cause, and uh, you know, so you should be, you know, commended on that too. So, what a a very cool thing! Now, I'll tell you the truth. We can't wait to see you guys uh, do some live stuff. Do you have any live dates planned?
3: Yeah, we do, Um, Andrew. Hey there. Help us out with the live dates, will ya? (laughs) Yeah, let me pull them up for you. We've got. Oh, did this, not this weekend, next weekend. Um, yeah, you, uh, at the end of August, you're in Springfield at Jack's Nightclub. That's,
1: that's a great right bar. That's a great club.
3: Right. And then at the Ocean City, the Purple Moose Salon. Very and cool. And then day. at the Soaring Eagle
2: Casino in Mount Pleasant.
1: And that's in Michigan. And then uh, I see there's a, a Houston gig and uh, a couple of Texas gigs. And then, uh, you know, this is what I wanted to talk about. You're doing something with Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Yes. Now, have you yeah, been involved with of... with uh, David Fishoff before in the camp, or is this going to be your first time?
3: I've done two with David Fishoff. Oh, yeah. I did the um, Atlantis um, with Tommy Lee and a whole bunch of other celebrities in ace of course um and then we did uh um, 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 um what was the other one oh, it was los angeles uh that one was televised i couldn't remember when they filmed filmed it it was in may last year so cool. it was yeah and that was on Colorado. vh1
1: right mm-hmm.
3: yep. do you know do you know and if that this one was televised
1: will this newer one also be televised on vh1
3: the, the the October one is not televised. It's in New York. The November one will be televised at the Playboy Mansion. Very cool. 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 Yeah, can't wait.
1: <laughs> uh, Lita, it's, it's awesome, and just cannot wait to uh, check you out when you come back to our area in New York.
2: So Lita, before, right b- before we let you go, what, I mean, the the one album to me that made you just a household name was the Lita album and any memories on that? So many great songs on that. Uh, for example, Ca- uh, can't catch me. Can you talk a little bit about that song and, and who helped you write it?
3: Yeah, of course. Can't catch me was co-written with Lemmy. Um, my dear friend, <laughs> he's such a riot. Um, that song, and you know, a lot of those songs, it, just from living in uh, in Hollywood and living in Los Angeles, I I was able to have access to a lot of wonderful musicians just by being there. Um, can't Catch Me, and you know, Lemmy lives down the street from the Rainbow Bar and Grill. You know, he's sort of sort of stumbling distance from uh, from the studio. So, um, we got together and we, we just hung out for a while and we wrote, can't catch me, took about three days to get out of his living room and (laughs) took about another three days to get home. And then, uh, once I got through my front door, it took about another three days to get into the bedroom. I mean, I was hung over big time, but, uh, we had a lot of fun and every time I, play that song is just
2: a blast almost uh, a deep purple vibe uh, uh, to that uh, maybe it's the keyboards i don't know but it uh, was deep purple an influence on you
3: i'm sorry deep purple huge influence
2: yeah because i can almost oh, hear a, a, a slight was... deep purple vibe to can't catch me
3: oh uh, no i've never heard anybody say that but now that you mention it I'm just a huge Deep Purple fan. I loved that band more than any other band. They were my idols. I had posters in my wall when I was a little kid. They were the best. They were absolutely the best.
2: And were you a fan um, of really, them even after Ian Gillen left and David Coverdale joined in Glenn of Hughes? Of course. Yeah.
3: Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, Joel and Turner was a lead singer in Rainbow. I remember we toured with Rainbow. Um all through Europe I think it was about a 8 week tour. Um it was a blast. I just love Richie's playing.
2: Yeah, such a great player. Uh, back to the Lita album some of the other people that were involved uh Nikki Six, a song we just played earlier on the show, Falling In and Out of Love. Um yeah. with with Nikki Six and uh, is that kind of an ironic title being that it's co-written by Nikki Six?
3: Um, It was just a song. We we were just friends at the time. Right. And um, it was just a song that we we just sort of came up with. You know, it wasn't anything to do with a relationship or anything like that. It was just uh, something. They were in the studio. I was in the studio next door. And uh, they had a little room off to the side of the studio that had a piano in it. And uh, Nikki and I went in there and we just wrote the song. That's pretty much it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And of course,
3: we wrote the same place we wrote with Ozzy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, and of course, the the big smash hit closed my eyes forever with Ozzy. Um, Now, were you being managed by Sharon at that time? Sharon was my manager, yes. Okay. And how long did she actually manage you for?
3: She managed me, let's see, a good two or three years. Um, She was having some problems, you know, with her family at the time. And and, uh, her and I went our separate ways. But I I just absolutely love Sharon. And and she did so much for my career. She just just gave it that kickstart it needed, you know. And she came in at a time um, where I pretty much had everything in place. I had the record company in place. Um, I had Mike Chapman producing the record. I just needed... I needed a manager. I didn't have a manager. So I called her up from this Long Beach um, oyster bar. (laughs) I remember sitting at the oyster bar doing oyster shots with uh, drinking Bloody Marys. And I called her up and I said, Sharon, would you please manage me? And I remember her saying, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thrilled. I was so thrilled. And uh, she really took my career and gave it a big jump start. So, I mean, I I was off and running anyway, but Sharon took it to the next level.
1: Very cool. Hey, Lita, these stories make me want to go back in time, move out to L.A., and be there at that, you know, that decade, the 80s. It was just such such a great time out in L.A. Everybody was hanging out and collaborating and just, you know, partying. It just seemed like an awesome time.
3: Yeah, it really was. I agree. It really, really was an awesome time, and I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like it's coming back again. Well,
1: that's great um, to hear because yeah. I'm, I need it. I need something like that to to reemerge, and you know, for for all the people that love metal and hard rock to really kind of just get back together again and and like do it up like like that we all did back in the '80s.
3: Yeah, I think so too. I think so too, and I think it's time you know i think it's reemerging if it, it, and even our offsprings you know like uh, our kids are growing up and they're playing old def leppard songs they're they're playing acdc you know they they're listening to the classic rock and uh classic rock has taken the face of music and created this whole empire of rock. I mean, you can't put down somebody for having big hair, for God's sake. What does that have to do with anything? It's like saying my balls are bigger than yours. Who cares? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, It's created an empire. I mean, look, for for instance, the Hard Rock. The Hard Rock Hotel and casinos. I mean, that's that's all, you know, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s.
1: Yeah, I and it's still going strong. Hard rock. Absolutely, and it's going to be going strong forever. And, and you're right, and the fact that young kids now are listening to classic rock is, you know, it's it's a great thing because, it, you know, it, it makes me feel confident that it's never going to die because, you know, it, it, it'd just kill me if it did.
3: Uh, it won't. It won't. You know, what's interesting is, like, the punk era. Whatever happened to the punk era? Why hasn't that come back around again? Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe that's next, you know? Because the Runaways really were in the punk era.
4: Right, right. When
3: I first started in in rock and roll, um, we were out there with the Sex Pistols and Blondie and the Ramones and, you know, the the real true punks and the Runaways. And uh, that's where we started. And then from there, we branched off into heavy metal and... um, I don't know. Just heavy metal just never dies,
1: right? No and, doubt and about. And even
3: it. though you know, even the grunge scene and all of that, underneath it all, there was still some some heavy metal. Right. A
1: lot of those she grunge guys were
2: were metal fans. Like the guys in Ellison in Chains, just I a mean, like yeah. Metal. Even Soundgarden, I mean, is just almost textbook Black Sabbath at points. Right. You know, it's just uh, it, yeah, definitely. That's so true. Hey Linda, it- so true.
1: Lita, I just want to tell you that we are so thankful that you came on tonight and took time out of recording and uh, tell Gary also thank you. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't be more happier that you came on and took some time out to talk some metal with us.
3: Thanks. Awesome. It was my pleasure. Great. Hey, Lita, can you
1: do a Talking Metal ID for us saying, you know, hey, this is Lita Ford. You're listening to Talking Metal? Sure. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Say when. Go for it.
3: Hey, this is Lita Ford, and you are listening to Talking Metal.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much, Lita. <laughs> thanks, Lita. <laughs> thanks so pleasure. much. And we
1: definitely got to uh, come and see you when you come into the New York area. And tell Gary the same thing.
3: Oh, well, I'll have him take his headphones off. He's doing bass right now. <laughs> All, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> All
2: right. This has got to let right, go. God
3: bless.
1: Hey, thanks, Lita. See you soon. Take it easy.
2: Bye-bye. bye <laughs> bye This is Gotta Let Go by Lita Ford on Talking Metal. Big thanks to Lita for joining us on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Lita Ford, that was out for blood.
1: Very cool interview with Lita, and yeah. really psyched to have her on the show. And and, and a bonus uh, little uh, cameo by Gary Hoey, one of the really cool uh, shredder type guitar players.
2: I yeah, definitely. Say. So uh, you know, it's interesting. I guess um, I I wanted to ask her about Bumblefoot because I know Bumblefoot toured with her, but it did just I, it didn't feel right, and we kind of ran out of time. But um, yeah. it's interesting that she has another excellent uh, kind of if you will, shredder player right. in there, or at right. least somebody who, who can shred. I never like the term shredder, shredder. because yeah, it, it I know. Kind it's like, just one style of playing, right. and but you look th- at a guy can, like Bumblefoot or you Gary and can play, and they everything. Can play yeah. everything, really. Now, um, I,
1: I wanted to tell the listeners, I don't think I've uh, told them this yet on a podcast, but I hung out with Bumblefoot the other day. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you told and, me. Oh, I told you. Yeah, yeah and you told and, me. Uh, what was cool is I met uh, Bumblefoot at the uh, Gibson Guitar Showroom, and... Um, uh, we're we're gonna be going back there, and cool. I think next Monday. Well, keep me posted. I might want to swing by. Oh, cool! By yeah, I should swing yeah. by for sure. And then, um, uh, what happened? Uh, Bumblefoot is producing a really great singer from Mexico City, and uh, it's it's something that uh, I'm sure you guys are
2: gonna be hearing about very soon. And uh, it's a cool thing. Excellent. Well, everybody's talking. I mean, is Richard Fortis still in guns? We don't really you know. know. Don't... Mark, you know more. Uh, I just about follow guns the gossip the uh, yeah. a little bit. You know, not as
1: much as I used to. But I used it to sounds love like following the gossip of GNR. But I just have been so crazed, as you know, with like right. ten jobs that like. I just haven't been able to follow everything lately.
2: Well, the 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 question on the uh, on the Guns N' Roses gossip front is, uh, you know, Richard Fortis uh, is supposedly now in Thin Lizzy, and and Guns and Thin have conflicting, oh, conflicting dates. tour dates, oh, so well. it should be interesting to see what happens. Huh. I mean, Thin Lizzy at this point. I mean, some people might even say this about Guns N' Roses, but Thin Lizzy to me just seems like it's not really it's, them. Yeah, it's just well, you know, it's it, like just with a different singer. I mean, yeah. that that's. Well, two original members, according according to uh, Marsary 2005, Victor from the Mars Attacks podcast, which you guys should all be listening to, by the way. Uh, All right. So anyways, some sad news today, by the way. 70-year-old John Lord, Uh one of my favorite keyboardists of Deep Purple, uh, has come out today and said he has cancer. So, oh, geez, just so so sorry to hear that uh man my favorite deep purple story of course was when uh, myself and terry Kayamori went to see the quote-unquote reunion of the M- the mark ii lineup i guess you'd call it uh the classic deep purple lineup Ian gill roger glover Ian pace richie blackmore and john lord of course uh we went to see that as probably 15 year olds this is when they got to together for the perfect strangers, uh, thing, you know, and, um, we had nosebleed seats, you know, uh, and, and I swear to God, we were 15 years old. We were the youngest kids in there, you know, um, and, uh, suddenly these big bouncer security guys, like deep purple security, not like arena security came up and they pointed to us and they were like, you two. And we were like, what the hell? We didn't do anything wrong. This is like after the opening band, before uh, Deep Purple, Jafria opened and got pulled off the stage. Uh, <laughs> they they escorted us down from our nosebleed seats like 10 rows in front of the stage. And, we, oh, right? and they plopped us there. And the only thing I could think of uh, in retrospect was they were like, Get some young kids up front because right, there, there's too many old guys right, up here. Yeah, and when so I say they, old guys,
4: oh, so thirty that's been, years old, 30 and they were like put on, on this, what? put
5: on these girl outfits and put on
2: this makeup and nah,
5: well, make your mouth of, yeah. into a weird circle. Yeah, and yeah I just think they wanted some stage.
2: youth up there, you know, because right. oh, you know, funny. even back at that time, they had the you know the the monitors and stuff, and they wanted to like show. They, like, to show they didn't want young. all like guys with beards and and straight long hair up there, you know, at the time, you know. So you know, we were we up we got. Seats what and that arena blew my it? mind. That was at the Chicago Pavilion, actually, oh, which I like don't even a, know like is a PNC still there. kind of a place. Uh, no, and, it was an indoor place like in downtown Chicago. Wow. The, the rest you've
5: just blocked blocked out, yeah. Well, possibly. What do you mean by that? Just can't really remember what happened after you were brought up to the front. No, and, uh, I
2: remember. I asked
5: remember to drink fine. some strange liquid. No, <laughs> no, no. Then no. the rest is uh, just a foggy memory for no, you no, and a no,
2: no. hypnotherapist to decipher. Well, possibly, but uh, it was a, it was a great show. I do remember Child in Time and, and just all the classic Deep Purple. It was uh, such a, an amazing show and such great players and and John Lord just such an amazing talent. Man. Uh, one of the members of Deep Purple who you know I think has been there pretty consistently. Throughout their career, maybe on every record, I, I would have to check that. But um you know, when you hear "Hush," you know, from 1968 or something, that uh, of course was John Lord, Richie Black, Morning Pace. But no, that was a different singer and a, a different bass player. That was not Roger Clover but, or but, Ian you know, Gillen.
1: The, you know, I got to be close friends with Glenn Hughes, and uh, he is just such a gr- great singer and yeah. uh, you know, bassist and. You know, important member of the band, too, even though he wasn't there originally. Hey, guess what? I got some uh, interesting news that I can tie into heavy metal. You go for it. Donna De DeRico. You know who she is? Uh, married to Nikki Six for a while, Once or... Married to Nikki Six. She is canceling her quest to find Noah's Ark in Mount Ararat in Turkey. Oh, God. And the reason is, is because she fears why give up now? Really, yeah, <laughs> I mean, she fears that if she makes the trip, she might never return. Wow, okay. I'm not sure what that means, but that's according sounds to. Sounds like she went off the deep end. I go to TMZ.com. Yeah, right, yeah, there you go. Wow, that's my that's favorite. Uh, Gavin DeGraw, not heavy metal, hospitalized after brutal attack in the East Village. Uh, but that we, sounds a little fishy to me. I think something. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know.
2: Don't even know who that is. to Be yeah, honest, some with
1: guy. You. I don't know. He's probably on. Uh, You know, I don't want to say. Okay, um, somebody was punched in the face at the Playboy Mansion. A German rapper, yeah,
5: it's not well. Listen, listen, listen. uh, could uh, be any number of German rappers. (laughs) Let's get into. Uh uh, Here's this is good. Uh,
1: John Frusciante, not also not really metal, not metal at all. He is uh, fearing that he's being stalked.
2: Yeah, okay. Wow.
1: I'll, I'll go off of TMZ. I should be on like some heavy metal website, but yeah.
5: I'm addicted to TMZ. All right, anyway. this is
2: Deep Purple, little David Coverdale, and Glenn Hughes.
5: Apparently, the- I could grow my penis 17 inches. I'm looking at my phone as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, uh, this might be spam. Little Deep Purple, your friend Glenn Hughes, and David Coverdale sharing lead on this one. Yeah, very, very this cool. This is Sal away. Thank
5: A little Talking cla- metal. Oh, there we go.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that was bud friendly. Uh, yeah. Bud friendly. Yes. I don't know if you could hear uh, that. a
2: little classic Deep Purple there. Uh, still nude. Still nude. A little classic Deep Purple there, off the Burn record, with David Coverdale, Glenn Hughes, Ritchie Blackmore. Who else was on that record? Uh, Ian Pace, um, and of course John Lord, who uh, announced that he has cancer. Wow. Our best, uh, our yeah, best, wishes best wishes to um, to John Lord. Get well soon, Man, dude. That's crazy. Seventy years old. Metal's getting old, man. We're getting Uh, old. It's all all
5: going fast, man. uh, I just watched some show. I'm getting younger. I am actually Bud Button.
2: There you go, Bud Button in the studio, nude. uh, Turning into a baby as we speak. He's
1: nude, but he has the mask painted on his face. body
2: paint. Exactly. And that, yes, this is my penis time it just i, I just uh, was watching this morgan freeman special thing on some science uh, yeah, channel yeah, you see I that like thing him. no yeah it, apparently the, the the older you get the faster time goes so mm. so that means uh, we'll be dead true. in a few days yeah um yeah it's just uh it's just crazy and uh, sad and um let's move on anyways hey, uh, I- Oh, Go ahead. I, I just am kind of blown away. I,
1: I have uh, Apple.com, and this is slightly c- uh, connected to metal. The first story on Apple.com is reviewer Jim, uh, D-A-L-R-Y-M-P-L-E, um, writes uh, an article about a 13 inch MacBook Air. But guess what? He's good friends with Zach Wild, and I know him, so it's, I can't believe that it, I thought I was seeing things. But
2: uh, anyway... That's cool. my story.
1: Hey, we didn't that play That was you. the
5: most interesting story John yeah, Astronomy's night. told all hey. night. We didn't We're play Adrenaline Mob
2: yet. Did we? I don't think so. Uh, no. Exciter is talking about this band uh of course, Mike Port and I had drums. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. The EP, I guess it's an EP, came out today. They do a cover of Mob Rules. A lot of good songs on the uh, EP. I did download it off of iTunes, which I'm not doing a lot of downloading yet uh, really? anymore. Now with Spotify, I know about that. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you got to check it out. It's the, the future, the iTunes killer for sure. But um, Adrenaline Mob, not on Spotify. So I did go to iTunes to buy it. And we will have links up on today's show notes in the podcast version of this show where you can use the. Those links to go to iTunes to buy this Adrenaline Mob song and other music. While you, After you're in iTunes, shop shop away. Buy TV shows, oh, right buy right. apps, buy whatever you want. Um, and we'll get, uh, I think, a 3% kickback on that. Of course, there's no additional charge to you guys. There's other ways to contribute to the podcast. There's PayPal buttons on TalkingMetal.com. There are uh, links to uh, No Regrets, John's book. Yeah.
5: Coming uh, out, coming out, and there's a special tree in Central Park where you can leave uh, loose pills <laughs> and powders for bud friendly. Yes, there yeah, you go. I will put a clothes on before
2: I go out. There. Uh, and uh, listen, you you people seem afraid to mail cash. I am I am encouraging you all to mail cash to my P.O. box in Maplewood, New Jersey, P.O. box even if it's Maplewood, New, know, New Jersey. Have you ever 40. heard
1: this? Uh... Even a penny. <laughs> Remember those guys in yeah. the subway that look? Like, yeah. Even one penny
2: would make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't mail me a yeah. fucking penny. No, guys, That's all I got to say. Mail me, guys... mail me at least a dollar. Uh, let's uh, Listen, every listener will mail me $5. But even that? $1 would be great, but 5 would be better. 5 cash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's this guy uh, who I'm uh, like you know friendly with um, on the uh, Path Train, and uh, he, he I can I can memorize I've already memorized his his speech, and it says, "Welcome to the Bergen Lafayette Coalition to feed the homeless shelter." <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's what he says. And he goes, "If you could spare any change, even one penny." Make yeah, well, this
2: is, I remember the Path Train. The guys, if you're hungry, I have sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: if you're hungry, he's carrying some sandwiches with him. So if yeah, you're I would hungry, yeah, man. yeah. Freaking but no, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he, he manners, carries. I tell you. He, he carries some sandwiches and, but he always says, uh, "Welcome to the Bergen Lafayette Coalition to like feed a the homeless shelter." Around his neck? shelter. Yeah, yeah, he might. I, I don't know, but I, I oh, always I know that guy. I don't know if his that's name's Teddy. Ron. Oh, really? Oh, Ron? Right? Okay, because there was a guy named Teddy, but then there was uh, another I don't know guy. If his I c- now it's it's Teddy, and a real nice guy. I hope he's doing well. And you know, I I think he. I'm sure he really is from the Bergen Lafayette Coalition to
2: feed the homeless yeah. shelter. You want to hear a sad story? A guy uh, who worked in the mail room at Sci-Fi back when I used to work there. His name was Ron, and um, he was a little off. Like he was a mailroom guy, he was a little <laughs> off. A nice guy though, and he'd always like this is like you know two thousand four, two thousand five. He always had a Walkman. He wasn't I wasn't an iPod, and he would listen to he'd tape Opie and Anthony, and then he'd uh, yeah. listen to it as he delivered the the, the sci fi mail on his headphones on his cassette uh, Walkman. Yeah, yeah, nice nice guy. Um, and he mm-hmm. was let go oh, from sci fi. And he used to occasionally call me after uh, after he was like go like hey Mark I uh, wanted to let you know I saw, uh, Jackie the joke man from the Howard Stern show walking down the street and I went up to him and I said uh, I love you and uh, <laughs> he yeah. would leave me these crazy messages because he knew knew that I like you know right. radio, uh, and again he was a little off and then so anyways um, about a year after he got fired from fi I was I was on the subway laid off laid off yeah laid off, laid off. Laid yeah, off. yeah sure uh, I was on the subway and. Uh, I saw this guy, like, at the West 4th Street subway station from the subway as as I was going by, and he had, like, like a a shopping cart and, like, 50... you know, not figured Bags, or something. Getting yeah. Getting filled oh, with no. cans. it was him. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a homeless guy. And I looked over and it was the guy who used to work oh, in sci fi. No.
4: Yeah, he was Jeez. collecting cans. That's
2: a,
5: yet another sad story
2: tonight <laughs> on Talking, talking metal. metal.
5: Sad <laughs> story. Nonstop yeah. wall. You to know wall what, guys? Sad, sad, Thanks for listening yes. to this section stories. of Talking Metal.
1: <laughs> I am going to run into the other room. We're going to be back in five minutes yes. with a rockin' upbeat interview with Todd Youth. Yes, and it, oh, we'll probably East cut this. Group. We'll
2: probably cut this and make this. If you're listening to the podcast version, I believe Todd Youth will actually fall into the next episode. Correct. It is now hour three of Talking Metal Live. But here's your uh, good friend. Uh, I don't know if he's my friend. I guess he knows me, Mike Portnoy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, uh, oh, So yeah, Turtlehead, a band member, All's, I, I co- love bandmate, friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, as band well. mate, of Turtlehead, <laughs> bandmate. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Adrenaline <laughs> Mob out today, Tuesday, August ninth. 2011. Here we go. Mike Portnoy on the drums. Check this out. Great stuff here on Talking Metal.